0: You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. There are powers of influence who would like nothing more than to keep the control and flow of wealth to themselves because they know something that you don't. If you want to create true intergenerational wealth and experience a new level of long-lasting financial independence and stability, you know that your family deserves, then you need to understand how to control the banking function in your life. There's a system you can implement that will help you take back this financial control, understand it, and then own it. Make it part of how you and your family live. Go to wealthwithoutbaystreet.com forward slash masterclass to register and start the process of becoming your own banker.
1: Okay, welcome back to another episode of Wealth Without Bay Street, as we always say, because we record on Fridays. Happy Friday, and we are live, Friday! and
0: we're live on the Facebooks today, Richard. We're live on the Facebooks, and so what's kind of a little bit funny, I just, so I just made a post on Facebook with a picture of my little temporary studio (laughs) space I have in here because of the, the internet issues I was having, and I just found out a little memory popped up. Of the day, like literally the day I bought the Roadcaster that you're using in the in the studio. No kidding, was like a year ago today. So that's kind of cool. That's very interesting. <laughs> that's great.
1: Well, uh, welcome uh, to all of our listeners from across the world. We are so happy to be with you here today. And today's topic is the perfect investment. Now, Ooh. Uh. now this is wealth without Bay Street. And so I think it's important for us to reference that this book titled The Case for IBC, which was co-authored by R. Nelson Nash, Carlos Lara, and Bob Murphy, is an amazing read. And in that book, they describe a very fun thought experiment that we're going to go through live on the Facebooks and we're going to go through on the episode. And
0: So so if you have this book at home, you can go ahead and...
1: Turn to page 15, 16, 15, 15, one of those pages, and you can can follow along. Now, what's interesting is, so part of the primary purpose of Wealth Without Bay Street is we talk about and share with uh, listeners all the fundamentals of the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. We have a wide variety of guests, existing clients who share their real life stories, and experiences their journey with the process. But one of the things that comes up, you know, often in uh, the general public is they they view it as an either or. So I'm I'm either going to become my own banker or I'm going to put money into real estate. I'm going to become my own banker or I'm going to put my money into gold and silver. I'm going to become my own banker or I'm going to invest in something
0: using my rsps e, or right. other government sponsored plan or i'm going to fund my child's education using an resp versus incorporating becoming your own banker from a multi-generational standpoint within the family
1: right and you know there's so many financial entertainers uh, out there in the world and it's the mainstream financial advice buy term life insurance so get the maximum amount of death benefit for the least amount of money, and then take the difference and invest it somewhere, uh, whether it's mutual funds, stocks, um, registered retirement savings plans that are invested in the markets, wh- whatever that is. And so all this mainstream financial advice that the individual is hearing, the business owner is hearing, and what we always try to basically share with people is that Whatever it is that you're already doing or that you're contemplating doing financially is radically improved when you introduce the process of becoming your own banker. But one of the really fun thought experiments that we love to lead people through, we've embraced this as part of our education process that we lead people through, is we say, look, what we're going to do, we're going to go through a really fun thought experiment. And specifically, and we'd ask our listeners and our Facebook viewers to, to think about this. Now, we're going to give you the opportunity to design the perfect investment. So you have basically a clean slate, and you can define that perfect investment. What attributes, what characteristics would, it, would that investment possess? And when we walk through this exercise, we get a lot of common feedback that aligns perfectly with what's in the book. It's almost verbatim what comes up when we go through this thought experiment. So what I thought we could do, Richard, is maybe walk through each one of these attributes and just have a conversation about it and and provide some education on the surprise that we're going to unveil at the end of this.
0: <laughs> well, and, and, and we want to give a shout out, of course, to Carlos Lara, who really is the impetus of this in in the book. And he actually wrote an article about this as well back in the Larry Murphy report, I think back in 2011. So, uh, you know, this is kind of how he would have that conversation with people as well, because he would often get asked this as as part of his expertise as a a business workaround specialist. So, um, you know, the first one, of course, what does he attribute? Well, when we talk about investments, what's the first thing people want to jump to immediately, Jason? Rate of return. Got to go for rate of return. So we need to get a high rate of return. That, that tops the trumps the list as the most important thing that we're looking for in our perfect investment. Okay, great. So, you know, that's, that's something we wanted to have it uh, increase the market value significantly over a period of time. Right? Right. Okay. Perfect. Notice that, it, that the second one on the list is where things really hit home though, because if you have a high rate of return, that's wonderful. Everyone would, there's no reason not to be excited about that. Like who wouldn't be excited about that? The problem is, the inconsistency. So the second thing that usually shows up that's kind of in tandem is a consistent rate of return. That's right. And and, and so maybe speak to that a little bit. Why is that so important? What, what do you find when you hear that from people?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you're getting a consistent rate of return, people are more likely to hang on to the investment, right? So if, right. It, if it's consistently producing, you know, year after year, then you're more than likely to hang on to it for a longer period of time. That's sort of the perspective that, that I think that, you know, uh, stems from.
0: And very interestingly enough, we just came through this period, one of the longest bull markets, growth markets in the, you know, in the, in the overall stock market. And that's a very wide paintbrush I'm using there to to cover that. Yeah. Over the last kind of 10 years, 10, 11 years. Yet I literally spoke to someone this morning, um, a very nice lady from Ontario her values on all of their stuff and their mutual funds and their stocks, they were down her and her husband about 25%. It's come back a little bit because of the COVID pandemic, right? It, that's, that's it coming back a little. So they were down much more than that. And they own, they're still down about 25%. She says, well, my husband's is a little bit higher, but he's also kept contributing. Okay. So, so this values come back up, but the value hasn't come up because of the market put it there. It's come back up because you put the money back in, <laughs> you, you refilled the account. Right. And so, there was consistency that might have been happening there for a lot of people but then all of a sudden it flipped because the market of it, market changed and it you know the the bear reared its ugly head and and people are are backed forth. so there's a the the importance of that consistency of rate of return is so critical you want something ideally and if you're describing the perfect investment when you say consistent what you really mean is you want it to always be consistent as long as possible forever right. if possible
1: right and you know have you ever um have have you ever seen someone with a deer in the headlights look? Yeah. Okay, I've give me, give me deer your in deer headlights. in the headlights look. What is yours? Okay, here's mine. Okay. So when you ask a person the question, who's got the money? Regardless of what you're invested in, who's got the money? It takes a moment to process because it's a question that nobody's asked them before. Whenever you speak, Nelson said it best. He said, you know, whenever there's conversation around the water cooler about anything financial, doesn't take long for rate of return to come into the conversation.
0: It's always about rates.
1: But who's got the money? And who's that money being put to work for? So important. Well,
0: most people would say, oh, the bank.
1: And, you know, again, I mean, we always say it, 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 it's not an either or. So if you have an objective and that objective is to invest capital somewhere, then that's great. Uh, That's your objective. And it's a great objective to have. But you've got to take a look at your current assets and, and, take a look at the attributes that those assets are doing well on and the ones that they're not faring so well on. And we'll get through the rest of them here. The next one is
0: as we're describing what people would want to isolate as the perfect.
1: Yeah. So again, this is the thought experiment of if you could describe the perfect investment, what attributes would it have? And so the next one is conservative. So this is a logical extension of the desire for consistency. You just said it best and people want an investment that only goes up. And when the lever goes the other way, what does that create for people? It creates a sense of uh, fear, uncertainty, sort of stress, stress, high level of
0: stress, yeah, which has a health impact that isn't measurable in a rate of return.
1: Right. Exactly. Li- right. Liquid. So it's I think that's one thing that Carlos said so well is that it's one thing to know what your investment is worth in terms of a, a certain amount of money. But it's another to be able to convert that investment into dollars if the need arises. The late Ben Feldman said his definition of the perfect investment was one that returned the most when it was needed the most. Isn't that good?
0: That's really good, yeah.
1: Ben Feldman, if you don't know, was the Wayne Gretzky of our industry. Um, God rest his soul, just an amazing guy yeah. What's the next one, Rich?
0: Honey funny too. So then we've got guaranteed. So it's interesting. We have conservative and safe and then guaranteed kind of, you know, it's, they're almost, it's almost a repetition, but they couldn't slightly mean different things for people. Right. And so some assets do have contractual guarantees. Um, but usually those are put out by, by reputable institutions, but the guarantees often are very minimal or they come with hitches. They come with uh, some, some form of, there's a, there was always a, a saw off position that usually comes with it. Right. So if you had the perfect investment, you'd want to be safe, conservative and, and liquid and guaranteed. Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's Sounds good. Pretty
0: awesome so far.
1: And tax benefits or perhaps even tax free. So, you know, aren't, there aren't many people that uh, we've ever interacted with who invest money in something and want more exposure to tax, right? And so we talk to people all the time who want reduced exposure to tax when they're investing capital in something. Now, we all have the position of understanding the the need, you know, for infrastructure, for critical services, healthcare, all those things that require tax dollars to support. But that's not what we're describing here we're talking about if I'm going to invest my money in something, I would ideally like the least amount of exposure to tax. Right. right? In in terms of designing the
0: perfect investment.
1: Yeah. No market volatility. That's interesting. (laughs) So people often circle back to the rate of return considerations. And so they, they want the investment to be dependable, but ideally not have it tied to like the performance of the stock market or anything like that. So, when their other assets have a bad year, this perfect investment still has a very predictable increase, which is all more valuable, right, in, in such a scenario. And that goes back to taxes as well. If it's tax-free, it's instantly more valuable if taxes go down, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, totally. One of the other things that's interesting is that um, you said that their other assets, even if their other assets are impacted, this one isn't. right. So what's unique about that statement is that it also identifies that even if you had this perfect investment, it would not stop you or it wouldn't mean that you couldn't also still be doing other things. Exactly.
1: The other is it yields income besides capital gains. So the perfect investment would provide cash flow over time beyond its simple appreciation and value. Very interesting attribute. What's next?
0: Creditor protected. So basically, you have uh, something that no one else can get their hands on. It's going to be there when your family needs it most, or if you're a business owner, when your business needs it most. And having something that, um, you know, can, you know, in the event of heaven forbid there's a lawsuit or something else that happens, or we have a COVID pandemic situation and someone's out of work for a long time and we're not paying our bills the way it should, you don't want you to have this asset just go come crashing down as well because now the the people who've got liens on all your stuff are coming after you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Very good point. Inflation protection. So this is similar to no market volatility. And so just as someone wouldn't want their investment to drop if the, if the markets drop on the other hand, the perfect investment would increase in value to keep pace with price inflation.
0: Right. And one of the things that uh, Carlos identified, I remember you talked about this is like, as an example, when people are talking about an inflation hedge, their brains are, we usually go to like the precious metals, like gold, right. gold and silver. And that's, yeah, there's a lot of advantages for that. However, if we, we often forget that there was a point in time where in Canada and in the United States, gold was seized by the government. If you had gold, you had to turn it in mm. and you could have been put in jail if you didn't do that. It became illegal to hold gold. And and so the other thing that happened is that, you know, also those assets can also be now in a capital gain situation. So they might be an inflation hedge, but there's a capital gain and they don't produce a cash flow. Because if you actually need to go and oh get your oil changed or go buy groceries, you don't really just take your gold bar and walk it into the grocery store and shave some of it off onto a scale to buy your groceries. It's right. not very, uh, very a uh, useful medium to exchange in that format. doesn't mean it's not bad. It's a wonderful thing, but does it necessarily provide all these other benefits?
1: Well, and to expand on that with another story, Nelson, uh, Nelson Nash, of course, for, for listeners who may not be familiar with who that is. So Nelson Nash was the developer, the founder, the pioneer of the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept who wrote the books, becoming your own banker and building your warehouse of wealth and co-authored the book, The Case for IBC. And if you find yourself thinking, wow, that becoming your own banker, that sounds really interesting. Just ease on over to the uh, to the bookstore. I can't remember the URL on the Wealth Without Bay Street deal.
0: There, there'll be a link on the, on the podcast. And if you're on the Facebook page, I think you can click a link to get to it as well there.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And uh, just get yourself a copy of those books. You'd be glad you did. And so one of the things that Nelson used to talk about is he said, you know, people would ask me questions about gold and silver. And he said, let me tell you a story. He said, you know, at one time, uh, I decided to purchase silver. And it I, I t- took custody of the silver. I put it into my safe. And he because said... he
0: buried it in his backyard, and I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he said, you know, prior to doing this, so him and uh, a, a few business partners, they had um, leased basically some land to uh, they were receiving a residual stream of income. I think it
0: was off a cell, I think it was a cell phone tower. Yeah, It was from a telecom it was company, a telephone, telephone tower. And because they had used the land, they were cutting a check right. every single year in like August.
1: They would get this check to partners. Yeah. And he said, man, it was so nice that time of year, you open the mailbox, there's the check. You take it down to the bank, you, you know, cash like $4, it, 4,000 bucks or something. You got money. And then they got rid of the lease. He goes out and buys silver. And he said, You know, I opened that vault every August. There was no check in there. (laughs) Right. So liquidity. And that leads me into the next one, which is control. So when you, when you invest money in anything, you have to, you, you have to hand control of your money over to someone else. And so the moment you do that, you're absent of control. Someone else has the money, you've made the investment, but you now have no control. And what the perfect investment would provide in the way of attribute is total and absolute control.
0: And that ties you know directly back to liquidity. yeah, where you know you, you may have money tied into something else, but I'll give you an example. I was on a conversation with a gentleman yesterday, it was the other day and he had just saved up did a great job saving up a good amount of capital like about $150,000 and he went and he transferred that to go and make a a deposit not a down payment, a deposit on a pre-built condominium in the Toronto marketplace. Hmm. And and great, you know, great that he's he's got a couple of them he's done very well with it, you know, everything seems to be going well and, you know, and and that sort of thing. However, he transferred that control over into something to the developer, and he doesn't have titled anything yet. And now, have we seen developers, real estate developers, certainly in the Alberta marketplace, just kind of disappear and not finish those projects before Jason? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't get those deposits back. Now, let's assume everything goes well, and he and he finally, three years later, he's going to have access to this title of a condo, and he can start renting it and creating cash flow, and maybe it'll have gone up in value, but he has no way to get that money back and for there's no capacity. Yeah. If he needed it to go and he lost his job and he needed it now to support his income, it's gone. And so again, that control liquidity component, those things are interlinked uh, for the most part.
1: Very, very good points. The next is transferable. So the perfect investment, ideally, you'd be able to easily transfer ownership to someone else. What's next?
0: easy to manage. Boy, so far, I think we got a bit of a pipe dream on this list here, but uh, easy to manage. So there shouldn't be a big learning curve to figuring out how to make decisions around the perfect investment. In other words, you don't have to watch the stock ticker every single day. You don't have to, you know, call your realtor and your mortgage broker every day to figure out what's going on in the real estate market, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, and so you want to have control, but you don't necessarily want to have control that comes with headaches you still want to have a simple and easy life. Interesting.
1: No yeah. hidden fees or penalties. So uh, we, those don't ex- those don't exist in no. the financial marketplace, oh, Jay. Oh goodness, no. So in the perfect investment it'd be really transparent, right? So the owner is never surprised by money taken off the top because it, so many people have been burned you know with without uh, having an understanding. You know, if you for our listeners, if you have uh, mutual funds, if you have uh, whether they're registered or not registered can you articulate the fees in the in the account do you know what that what that is and are those fees paid on the entire account balance or just the gain something really important to think about
0: and and, and further to that you know, is there, is there anything that happens when you want to go and exit? Is there anything new or new fees or new things that come up or penalties when you right. want to exit your capital, which goes back to control and liquidity again? Right. Good point. And next, next one is reputable, reputable. Hmm. I, I love the way that uh, Carlos talks about this. He says, usually at this point we've, we've, you know, I've been writing down on a whiteboard or sketching it out. Someone's telling me all these things that they're looking for in the perfect investment. And then they, you know, they say reputable or they say like, well, I want it to be like, I mean, this is sounding too, big, too good to be true at this point. Like, I mean, I, like, I want to make sure like this is, this is a real deal. This isn't just like some, some scam going on. Okay. So reputable. Got it. In other words, you want it to be legal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be good. Yeah. That'd that's
1: good. it. That's That's what we want. And private. So the perfect investment though reputable would also be private. Your tax person wouldn't be getting you know, the, the T5s or the, you know, variety of different tax forms every single year, explaining the performance of it and otherwise telling people about your business. People, people value their privacy. Mm-hmm. Now, Rich, I don't know what sound effect it is here. Hang on. I'm going to go through them to find it, okay? There's no such thing as a perfect investment. <laughs> it doesn't exist.
0: <laughs> You got lucky on the first try. I
1: did. Yeah. (laughs) However, Rich, we have a surprise for people. This list of attributes most closely describes what?
0: Uh, Dividend paying participating whole life insurance.
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: For anyone who's listening in, it's like Jason was itching to hit some of those buttons earlier (laughs) today. So that's, um,
1: now, you know, when it, most it, people think about life insurance.
0: They, they go back to the deer in the headlights. <laughs>
1: or... <laughs> oh, come on. It's Friday. We're having a little bit of fun. But in all seriousness, that list of attributes most closely describes dividend paying participating whole life insurance, which is not an investment, never has been an investment, and never will be an investment.
0: But if you have it, it's a reservoir, a warehouse, as you could say, that allows you to go about making investments in the things you are already going to do anyway. No. Which goes back to the very beginning of our conversation that this is an and asset. It is something you can have. It provides a great deal of the attributes we just talked about. Yep. But it allows you to also... You can have that and you can go and do the other stuff that you want to do or we're planning to do.
1: Good point. Very good point.
0: And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, Carlos, he identifies that a lot of these attributes, um, whole life insurance, participating whole life insurance, that is, is remarkably reliable on many of the things we isolated on this list. And uh, and so it's it's you know if, and if you just think about everything we talked about, if you were to write down or if you're listening to this and you you pause and you wrote down each one of these items, and you just stopped and you you stood back and you looked at it. Realistically, is it is it feasible that you're going to go and get an an investment that provides all those things? It's it's not it's not it's not reasonable that that's the case to have that amazing wish list. But you do have to start somewhere. Mm. So if you could check off pretty much all of those boxes or as many of them as possible why on earth wouldn't you go and get some of it?
1: That's exactly right. And on page 24 of The Case for IBC, wonderful book, Carlos goes on to say, to conclude this chapter, we should emphasize that the infinite banking concept is a process, it's not a product. We use the phrase perfect investment for rhetorical effect, but to be clear, Nelson Nash is not advising people hey, I think you should invest less in real estate or stocks or gold or, and you should put more money in dividend-paying participating whole life insurance contracts. Rather, infinite banking is a process of becoming your own banker and a dividend-paying whole life policy is the best vehicle for implementing it. And it's necessary to diffuse the knee-jerk reaction that many people have to whole life since after all, it's the platform for Im- implementing the process of becoming your own banker. And so regardless of what's going on in the economy, regardless of what's happening with interest rates, regardless of what investment vehicles there are out there, what products are available, the process of banking goes on no matter what. And you can't get a better rate of return doing anything if you're not controlling the banking function as it relates to what you're doing.
0: Totally. And Nelson even has a page in Becoming Your Own Banker where he talks about that. Uh, I think it's page that's 60... 63 or 65 or something. Yeah,
1: but I can get a better rate of return.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so he actually goes in and explains that. And here's what's 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 kind of interesting. Again, Nelson himself, he told he would tell the story, um, a wonderful story about his very first policy, his very first par contract. It wasn't set up perfectly. It didn't have everything it needed. He did the wrong thing with it for the first 15 years. He owned the policy because no one had told him. Right. Where he used the dividends that he received to reduce the premium so he wasn't putting the money in and he wasn't allowing that dividend to compound effectively right and and he did one of his most profitable real estate deals which was a third party an investment outside of the policy external to the policy
1: page 69 by the way
0: thank you he was able to go and and get this chunk of land of timberland which he knew a great deal about he was very knowledgeable about timberland He was able to go and get that at a very discounted price because somebody that sold it to him said hey you know what i i need money right now i'll give you the rest of this land i'll sign it over to you for this amount of money yeah nelson went and got a policy loan and he had a check in that guy's hand within about 24 hours and he had this this land for a very very good piece of price the only way he was able to do this because he already had access to the money he had it saved in a in a warehouse so the value of this real estate deal doesn't show up in the policy statement right it's external to it, and and then later on, many years later, Nelson sold that property, and he invested yet again in a different format. He sold the property, and then he financed the sale of that property to the buyer <laughs> at fifteen percent interest. I think over uh, I don't know. I remember the time frame he did it on, like over another ten years. Yep. And he received cash flow payments off of that, which also doesn't show up in the illustration. That's right. It's the unseen. So he, it's the unseen. He became the banker. And what did he do with the stream of payments? He used it to go buy more Policies. participating dividend paying whole life insurance. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and here's another great story since we're on uh, story time. You remember when he talked about the, the attorney. Uh, so he describes uh, basically a human condition called the arrival syndrome. And so he, uh, very prominent attorney, very well-to-do attorney, and Nelson sat down with him and started to describe this process. And the attorney was um, very quickly demonstrating that he had already learned everything there is to learn. He knew everything there, there was to know. There wasn't anything new that he could be taught. For our listeners, do you know anyone who suffers from the arrival syndrome? And so he basically said, Well, you know, I, I, he didn't want to be rude. And so he just kind of glanced at his watch and said, you know, I'm, you'll have to forgive me. I, I have a conflicting um, meeting. I, I have to leave. I'm very sorry, but I have to go. And so the attorney says, wait, 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 Nelson, before you leave, just hang on a second. I heard that you finance things. Is that, is that right? And so Nelson thought to himself, okay, this is a different perspective here that this conversation is going to go down. And he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And so at the outset of that conversation, Nelson agreed to finance an airplane for that attorney. And guess what he used the stream of loan repayments for to do exactly what he was trying to convince the attorney to do, which was to go and get dividend paying participating whole life insurance contracts. And so Nelson always said that if you if you understand that there's no such thing as having arrived in knowledge, then you'll always be receptive to learning something new. But if you feel that you've arrived in knowledge, it's all downhill from here. And so someone or some organization has control over a pool of financial value, money, that can and must flow at a cost to meet someone's need. And so if you think about your own life right now, Who's controlling that function as it relates to your needs? If it's someone else, you can change that. You can truly become your own banker.
0: And it doesn't have to happen overnight.
1: Exactly. And it's not going to uh, interrupt any of your objectives. So if if you are an investor in whatever it is that your niche is, or maybe it's a wide variety of things that you love to invest money in, just go back and listen to the perfect investment attributes that we walked through and take a look at all of your current assets and see whether or not they do well as it relates to those attributes and which attributes they don't do so well against and then if you introduce the process of becoming your own banker it's going to radically improve anything that you're already doing or contemplating doing financially isn't that good
0: yeah absolutely and and I want to I want to touch base on something that Carlos Lara talks about a little bit. Uh, it was kind of some of the genesis of this framework of creating this example is that there's a gentleman who wrote a number of articles many years ago. His name was Richard Russell, and um, he was a writer uh, back in the, in the 50s. And he wrote for Time, Newsweek, Money Magazine, all these, you know, the Wall Street Journal, et cetera. And he published a, a number of articles that were, there was one titled Rich Man, Poor Man. And he mm-hmm. talked about two individuals. And it was really about isolating the, the, the real power of compounding, which people talk about all the time, but they don't, just because we talk about it, we tend not to fully understand uh, what's really happening and how it actually needs to work, the only way that it can work. And one of the things that he identified is that the 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 power of content compounding obviously is very important. It's very effective, but in order for it to be successful, a you do need time. Right, Okay. only works through time, and that it has two catches, two very important catches. The first is that it requires sacrifice. Hmm. In general, you have to have sacrifice, which means you gotta you gotta be you gotta start putting the money away, and you gotta let it sit. Right, okay, and that you can't spend it. The other one is that you can't spend it and save it at the same time. And second, the other part is that compounding is boring. And if it's not exciting, well, our brains want excitement and to do new things. And we learn about this thing over here and that thing over here. And we we, we try to move things around, which means we kill compounding every time we do that. Right. And so that article written way back in the in the 50s is perfectly relevant to today's environment was, as we're in the COVID pandemic, as people are losing 20% of their value in some of their stuff. And I'm sure there's people doing really well as well, but... We tend to hear more about the people that are losing money during the pandemic, uh, and then, but if you're in a position where you're putting money away and you're putting it in an environment where you can't touch it, in order to let it keep compounding, meanwhile you're sending money out the do- other side of your your bank account to go pay for all the stuff that you actually need, who's winning in that scenario? Right. When you implement the process of becoming your banker, you utilize the vehicle that we've described. You have the ability of creating that constant compounding effect without having the same sacrifice requirement of not being able to access it. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. Rich. It is. Good job, man. That was
1: good. This was fun. The perfect investment, the attributes. Great exercise to go through. Any parting comments for our Wealth Without Bay Street listeners?
0: uh, Yeah, I think I got it all. (laughs) Well, uh, I I don't want to drop my mic because it's on a stand and everything. Yeah, please don't do that. (laughs) Plus my dog's in here and probably wake him up and you'll start barking.
1: There you go, folks. Another episode of Wealth Without Bay Street. We actually, we were uh, really happy to be live on the Facebooks today. And for, as we say to our listeners uh, each time, we really encourage you to please uh, go ahead, smash the like button comment let us know if you're getting value from our episodes we get so much amazing feedback thank you to our listeners we uh appreciate you we know you could be doing other things with your time and you choose to spend it with us and we're we're just so grateful uh to you for that rate the show review it ask your friends to listen to it ask them to review it heck get up right now go knock on your next door neighbor's door and ask them to listen to a few episodes of wealth without bay street
0: or just turn your speakers way up because your neighbors <laughs> always like that. Exactly. Um, and, exactly. And if, and if if you're one of the uh, one of the many clients that we have in our client community, and you have a story that you want to share, and you would like to maybe join us on one of these episodes and have a chance to to share what's 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 important to you about the process, we'd be happy to hear from you on that too. So feel free to send us a message or make a comment about that as well, and we'd love to encourage uh, you to to come in and share your story and see how you can, what you have to share can add tremendous value to other people's lives.
1: Excellent. And any um, thing that you want to share, Richard,
0: about a
1: masterclass?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, go to the masterclass. (laughs) Wealthwithoutpaystreet.com forward slash masterclass. As you can
1: see, we have really good, really good um, marketing copy
0: (laughs) Yeah, we 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 still need to program that awesome button of yours. You're gonna get the big sell, the big sell. Um, But yeah, so if you go to the masterclass, it's pretty awesome. You're gonna learn a ton about the process. There's a a number of different videos that are in there you can tune into. In fact, there's even an example about this kind of investor A and B situation that uh, came from this article in the '50s that I just referenced today. Mm -hmm. There's actually a video that I did that's in there, Um, and you're gonna get a copy of Nelson's book included and ship right to your door. So, kind of a no brainer.
1: Great bargain. Well, there you have it, folks. On behalf of Richard Canfield, my amazing co-host, colleague, also known as Richard Canfield, and myself, we would like to wish you a amazing weekend. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Wealth Without Bay Street. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.